Well, good morning. Don't think I need this. So one of the things that I learned actually in this room, um, yikes. Thank you, Chris. One of the things that I learned in this space um, a long time ago, you know, 30-some years ago, uh, is, that, is that repentance is an invitation back into joy. Um, we're going to talk uh, a little bit today about joy and, and practicing our joy. So I want to ask you, just as we start, um, if you would take a moment to pray for the person on either side of you, uh, and this is what I, I, I'm asking you to pray, that, that the person on either side of you, and if there's not somebody on one side of you, um, you can just pray for Giorgio um, uh, and, and Amanda and their family this month. Um, so they, get, they, you know, you see what I'm doing here, brother? I didn't know you are going to be here, but they, they get a, a lot of aisle prayers. Um, but if you would just pray for the, your neighbor... Uh, that, that, that they would have this Advent season beginning right, right now, a new openness to joy. Amen? So will you just pray that for uh, the, the, the person on either side of you? And now, will you even pray that for yourself, uh, that there would be a new receptivity to joy? Father, we do ask that you would usher all of us into the joy of your salvation. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you know this, the Christian calendar doesn't begin on January 1st, it begins with Advent. Um, Advent is, the first, is the, these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, this, this season that we get ready for, to celebrate the, the birth of Jesus at Christmas. So during this time, it's not like um, we're trying to pretend that Jesus hasn't come yet, uh, we're actually trying to remember that he has. Uh, come and drawn near to us. Um, and, and, and also during this season, this beginning of the Christian year, we try to um, seek to let the realities of the incarnation, the realities that God has drawn near to us, um, be pressed deeper into the fabric of our lives and our, uh, our hearts and our relationships. So we consider the implications, the so what, uh, of his first coming, his first advent, as we wait with hope um, for the, his second coming, his second advent. When, when I was 16 years old, um, the Holy Spirit lodged in my heart a, a sentence by Francis Schaeffer um, I don't know what I was doing reading Francis Schaeffer as an unbelieving 16-year-old, but um, that, that eventually um, resulted in my conversion and, and being pretty radically saved from, uh, from hooliganism. Um, 
And, and the phrase was just the sentence was just that, that God has invaded space and time in the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's it. I mean, that's the Christmas story, that God has invaded space and time in the person of Jesus. Um, and so we remember and celebrate this month that God has come clothed, close, that he has revealed himself, uh, that Jesus, the Christ, is the visible image of the invisible God. We remember that the author of, of all that is has written himself into his own story. We remember that the creator of all that is, who, who exists outside of creation and before creation, uh, has entered into the world that he has made. And, and the promise is that they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, the question for us this month is, okay, if God is near, how would our lives look different? How would our ministry in, in our city and in our world look different? So these next four Sundays, we'll be thinking together about, um, about the implications of Christmas. Like I said, the takeaways for us, the, the, the so what. Uh, what does he want our lives to look like in between these two advents? So we're going to be looking at two New Testament passages that are not traditional Christmas passages, but I believe that, that they'll help us. Uh, the first is a pretty well-known paragraph from Philippians 4, and thinking on that one um, led me to another fairly familiar passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. So let's, let's take a look and a listen. Uh, I think these are going to be up. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you have your Bibles, you flip a page or two over to 1 Thessalonians and it says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So the, the way I memorized it in the old, the old new international, if you follow that, um, it, said, it said, always try to be kind to one another and to everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So when, we, when you consider both these passages, you, you see these same four qualities, these same four ongoing activities in believers' lives. Rejoice, be kind and gentle, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, be kind and gentle, pray, give thanks. Uh, or you can say it all the kinds of different ways. As you move forward, as you go, uh, move forward rejoicing, letting your gentleness be evident to all, uh, praying, giving thanks. One of the grandfathers of this church, um, Jack Miller, uh, is the one who taught me and modeled for me uh, using gentle as a, as a verb. And, and Jack would pray and he would ask 
even really young people to pray for him, that Jesus would gentle him, uh, that, 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 the gentle, that, that he would be receptive to the gentle love of Jesus to such a degree that it would cause him to be gentle with others and even with himself. You know, some of, some of you are trying real hard to be kind, but you're so brutal with yourselves. You're so hard on yourselves. And so this gentling, we'll talk more about that next, next time. Um, one more quick point to help you just know that I'm not making uh, things up or exaggerating uh, the, the importance of these four things. Did you notice the end of the First Thessalonians passage? Um, it, it says, from now on, when... when uh, I'm sorry, it, it says... Um, Always be kind, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So from now on, um, when somebody says they're seeking God's will for your life, you can tell them that you know what it is. (laughs) And you can help them. You know, always be kind, uh, always be gentle, uh, pray all the time, and give thanks in all circumstances. There you go. God's will for your life. We can go home now. Not yet. Um, so, so back to that, that famous paragraph in 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but implanted in the middle of it is this Advent glory, this Advent truth that the Lord is near. And so there's the Advent truth. There's the wonder of Christmas. The, the, the Christmas Day reading in the Church of England are, are the familiar words from John 1. 1 and 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the, the Word was made flesh, and glory and truth, and friends, joy, put on flesh and tabernacled among us, joy invaded space and time in the person of Jesus. So the Lord is near, uh, he's at hand, he's near spatially in that he's not far from us, he's near spiritually. We, we now have this new unfettered access into his presence, he's near temporally, the, the, hour, the hour's at hand, the time is, is close. So as we think about our paragraph in Philippians 4 this month, um, we can represent it like a wheel. I kind of came up, I'm really gifted with PowerPoint. Um, but, so, in the Christian life, the indicative always precedes the imperative. Uh, in this cool paragraph, the, the indicative is planted right in the middle. Uh, it, it's the hub of the wheel, if you will. And, and this, this um, be kind... Um, and, and, and gentle, uh, pray all the time, give thanks all the time. Uh, th- th- those are the spokes of the wheel, being full of joy. So these four, these four ongoing characteristics in, in sons and daughters' lives, um, that, that's how the power from the, the hub makes its way out to the wheel. It, it, it connects us um, and then this centrifugal force 
of, of the gospel truth, friends, it always flings people out. I got flung out of this place and planted the first daughter church of Redeemer over in Kernersville and got flung out again. People have been getting the, the, this, this energy of the gospel, that the centrifugal force of the gospel. It's always flinging people out into, into unexpected places. And uh, hopefully it'll do that with all of us this month. So we, we want to think about this admonition uh, today to be joyful always, to rejoice in the Lord always. In case you're not getting it, I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to, to miss this. We know that the Christmas story itself found in Luke 1 and 2 and, and Matthew 1, it's just shot through with joy. Have you ever noticed that? Um, there, there's joy in, in the motherhood of, uh, of Elizabeth and Mary. Mary's ma Magnificat, her song begins, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices uh, in, in God my Savior. E even Elizabeth's un unborn son, um, John, gets in the act and he leaps for joy. <laughs> when he hears Mary's voice greet his mom. When, when, his, when John's Lord is near, even he hadn't been born yet, and he's, he's leaping for joy. Mary's joy, we, we see, is shared by uh, the wise men, the shepherds, the whole world, the, the angel voices um, announce, don't be afraid, uh, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Uh, today in the, in, the, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. John grows up into, to be a man. He still leaps for joy when his Lord is near. In John 3, we hear him saying, the friend who attends the bridegroom uh, waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is now mine and is now complete. Jesus must become greater. I must become less. Luke 10, um, we're told about the interior life of Jesus himself. In Luke 10, the, the, the 70 return um, from successful gospel ministry, and Jesus encourages them not to rejoice that the Spirit submit to them, but to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. And Luke tells us that Jesus himself is full of joy in the Holy Spirit, and he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. This is your joy. Luke 15, this full of joy, Jesus uh, teaches us that, that when nearness that's been broken uh, is recovered, what, what results? joy and rejoicing we we don't want to be like that hard-headed uh, hard-hearted self-righteous older son uh, who remains outside the father's celebration folding his arms digging in his heels he, he won't enter back into the father's joy friends at the core of the universe is perfect relationship, perfect other-centeredness, perfect joy. And where the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are, there's joy. We know from Galatians 5.22 that, that part of the fruit of the Spirit, that, that the, the Spirit grows in 
daughters and sons, is joy. But in our text, we're given commands. I mean, we're, we're told to feel, are, are we being told to feel a certain way? I mean, how does that go um, with, your, with your spouse? Uh, honey, you just need to calm down. I mean, how does, how does it go in your house when somebody tells you how to feel? I mean, is that what God is doing? Is he, is, uh, so it, it feels important that we notice that these really are commands. They're imperatives. And so it just I think we ought to spend a minute or two um, thinking about emotion, thinking about feelings, um, because a lot of us are really... Um, controlled by our emotions, aren't we? Um, so is God commanding us to feel a certain way? Is joy a, a feeling? Or is it something more than that? Um, if he says be kind to one another, that's something you do. If, if he says pray when you're anxious, that's something that he's calling us to do. If he's, if he's telling us to give thanks... Um, instead of grumble, that's something to do. But, but when he says, be full of joy, um, we think he's telling us how to feel. So, again, just please think with me for a few minutes about feelings and emotions. Because I think we're pretty confused about what to do with them. Um, their place in our lives. So many of us are controlled by them. If you've been around me, for more than about five minutes, you've heard me quote Rebecca Pippert um, from the old IVP book, Out of the Salt Shaker, where she says, whatever controls us, it's in the chapter in Out of the Salt Shaker called Jesus is Lord. And she says, whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by the people he or she wants to please. We do not control ourselves. We are controlled by the Lord of our lives. Now, we, we would like to say that, that the Lord of our lives is the Lord Jesus. But when we're honest, and this is what we do every week when we confess our sin, um, we admit the truth about ourselves that, that I'm usually controlled by my circumstances, or maybe more accurately, how I feel about my circumstances, than I am by the Lord and His promises. So, I know that's me, and if that's you, Christmas can be an especially difficult time because the gravitational pull, I mean, the, the, the call to sentimentality, the call to be feeling more than you're feeling the rest of the year, the, the, the call, the, the, the pull to, to fake it or to, to act like you're doing better, you're feeling better than you're actually feeling. It's pretty big this month that you should be feeling more confident and happy and secure. Um, so what do we do with feelings? Um, if I can really date myself, um, there, there's an old illustration Bill Bright used to use. I, I don't know if y'all know Campus Crusade for Christ, but they used to do evangelism on campuses. Um, with this little orange booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And so you're, you're sharing Christ with your fellow student, 
And at the end, there's this page that says, now don't depend on your feelings. Don't take your feelings too uh, seriously. Um, you may not feel a whole lot different when you give your life to Christ. And so he came up with an illustration. Travis, I don't know if, you can, if we have a slide for that. Um, this fact, faith, feeling train. And, and so the argument was, um, you know, to not, don't, don't depend on your feelings. The promises of God's word, not our feelings, is our authority. So the Christian lives by faith in the trustworthiness of God himself and, and his word. So the fact, God and his word, comes first, and then our faith, that, that our, our, our response to that, our, that we trust God and his word, um, it results in some, some feelings, but that, that's the caboose. Um, so the train can run without the caboose. So I grew up thinking, feelings don't matter. Just chuck them. You, you know, you just don't even, don't depend on them. Well, then another later teacher, uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, taught me an even more helpful illustration than this one. And he said, you know, feelings are like the red light on the dashboard of your car. So you can, you know, if, the red, if you're driving and the red light on the dashboard comes on, you can just start screaming and freaking out and, 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 and get home and say, I ha we have to sell the car. Or you can just calmly open the glove box and take out the masking tape and cover the light and keep driving. That's what a lot of us like to do. Uh, but eventually something's going to blow, right? <laughs> um, or we can just pull over and open the hood and take a look inside and say, something's going on that needs attention, and I'm probably going to have to talk to the mechanic about it. So feelings are not everything, but they're also not nothing they really can help us and so the 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 presence of like the strong ones i mean anybody in the last three years had some strong emotion um the presence of of, of emotion or the absence of emotion i mean if god's word clearly says over and over rejoice in the lord always i'll say it again rejoice rejoice always pray continually in, in everything in every situation give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What happens if I'm not feeling that? Well, we repent. And we say, oh Lord, something's wrong with my heart. I, I'm not living in the reality that you have drawn near. I'm living like an orphan again. So, Feelings aren't everything, but they're not nothing. One, one more thought about feelings, and then we'll press to the end. Um, when I'm feeling, I don't even know what I'm feeling. Uh, God again and again sends daughters and sons to the prayer book nestled in the middle of his, his word, the, the book of Psalms. And every conceivable emotion is present there. And, and even when we don't know what's wrong with us, the Holy Spirit sends us to the Psalms. And, and, and we pray this humble woman's prayer, this humble man's prayer at the end, 
of Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't even know what's wrong with me. I don't even know what I'm feeling. But, but when I open your word and I'm systematically going through the Psalms throughout the year, not just, not just on Sunday, not just during Advent, but all the time. I mean, I would commend to you a, like a, a, a plan. Tim and Kathy Keller's book, The Songs of Jesus, going through the Psalms uh, every day for a year, and then the year ends and you start over. Um, every conceivable emotion is present there. And, and you see psalmists feeling really strong stuff. Think about Psalm 73. Um, he's not, the psalmist is not feeling joy. He's feeling jealousy and anger, and, and he's miffed at God himself. And he says, but if I had spoken thus, I would have betrayed your children. Then I got some help in the sanctuary of God. Then things, you, you made things clear. So in the Psalms, we learn not to stuff everything, to repress everything. We learn that we're not to express everything. If I had spoken thus, that wouldn't have been a good thing. So we don't repress everything, we don't express everything, but we process everything with the Lord because He's near. He's, he's available. He's not shocked by the, the uh, intensity of what you're feeling. He wants us to learn how to pray our feelings. That's the third gospel way. So, back to this train illustration. If, if you're not moving, if, if, if if we've become stationary, if we're unmoved by the locomotive power uh, of the truth of the incarnation, the truth of Christmas, then we've become uncoupled. And we need to hear Jesus say again, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And then what happens? You know, again, according to Luke 15, uh, every time the... Um, the we are recoupled when we're connected again um, it always results in joy we, we enter back into joy and the result is joy we hear the voice of Jesus uh, again we are joy full again as we hear him say with new ears uh, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We hear him again say, you know, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you're, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So, friends, this joy, this rejoicing, it's something we feel. It, it's certainly not less than a feeling, but it is more than that. It's deeper than that. It's, it's more solid and stable it's, it's the anchor for your soul um, that, that is firm and secure that Hebrews 7 talked about. So, it's, it's a deeper, more solid, more stable reality that transcends emotion. It remains, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, through glory and dishonor. Bad report, good report. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, 
yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. So, friends, Christian joy is deeper than our current circumstances, your current circumstances. It's deeper than your current feelings about your circumstances. The, the Word of God commands us to rejoice in the Lord. I don't know if you ever thought uh, about rejoicing as a spiritual discipline, like fasting. Uh, rejoicing is, I believe it is a spiritual di discipline, and like all the disciplines, as we practice it, we get better at it. Anybody want to get better at rejoicing? I mean, that's why we come. That's part of the, one of the principal reasons that God gathers his family together, his, his daughters and sons and, and their children together week after week for us to practice rejoicing. In every situation, in, in all things. So this, Christian, this Christ, Christmas message is that the Lord is near. He's drawn near to us. Ephesians 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So the Lord is near. That's, that's our core Advent truth that we're going to think on this month. The question is, where am I? Where are you? Will we who were far away be brought near through the blood of Christ? So, you know that's what we remember in this meal. Um, we remember and celebrate in this meal that the Lord is near. And we respond by ourselves drawing near. Friends, joy has invaded space and time. Jesus is joy fuel. Jesus is a joy factory. Jesus is a joy fountain. Uh, let's, let's close with this, this one quote from, from Mere Christianity. This is C.S. Lewis. He says, Good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you need to stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. That's what we do at this table. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you're close to it, the spray will wet you. If you're not, you'll remain dry. So let's pray one more time for our Advent for our December. Father, we thank you that you love this world so much that you gave your son. You sent your one and only son into it. He moved in among us poor to be our neighbor. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, your nearness, it really is a thrill of hope that causes this weary world to rejoice. Jesus, you are the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. We want this Advent season to be so full of rejoicing, to be so joyful that it changes our 2023 and every year after this one. Until, we're, until that time that we 
get to be swallowed up by joy. Teach us how to rejoice in you. We really do want to get better at it. Holy Spirit, grow that good fruit in each of us that we might reflect the joy of the Holy Trinity in our city, that your joy would be in us and in our neighborhood as it is in heaven. Amen.